What's going on, coaches? Just finished up a, a great spring ball down here in McKinney. Um, obviously, didn't get to go to as many uh, things as I wanted to. Still finishing out my contract in Broken Arrow, but luckily had different chances to get down here, uh, get to be a part of, of this winning tradition here at McKinney High. Uh, also, some really cool things that happened um, with some staff realignment. Uh, I got moved from tight ends, fullbacks, to now uh, full-time uh, head offensive line coach here at McKinney High. So uh, excited about everything that that has to offer and, and getting with those guys and and uh, trying to, you know, help them learn and, and myself learn uh, even more about the offensive line position. So really excited to get started with that and um, had, a, had a really fun, interesting spring and excited to get me and my family moved down here to Texas. So um, if you guys need anything from us, as always, check us out at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder has recently launched a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring. And the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with Tom Kreger. Coach Kreger is the CEO of highandtight.com and running backs coach at Northwood University in Midland, Michigan. Listen as we talk with Coach Kreger about the importance of ball security and turnovers and how the high and tight football can help your program win football games. You can follow Coach on Twitter at Coach. Kreger, which is C-R-E-G-U-E-R. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I'm, I'm a, I'm a small time farm boy. You know, I, I grew up on a, uh, on a dairy farm that got got destroyed uh, because of PBB back in the seventies. And uh, so we ended up uh, working for cash crop and um, it's kind of unique because you grow up, I was a big fat kid. And so uh, I, I started as a lineman and then, uh, you know, you don't want to be in the trenches very long when you, when you think you're running back like everybody else is. So I ended up working <laughs> my way in the backfield. Uh, we ran wing T and, and I was a pulling guard and I was way out in front of the running backs and they're like, Hey, Hey, you're too far out there. So got my shot to get in the backfield. Uh, and I, ironically, I didn't even know I was playing for such a great football coach, you know, and you, you, I don't know how you guys were in your childhood. Mm -hmm. um, our, my, my head football coach in high school lost seven games in the seventies. You know, and I didn't, I didn't know anything about him, you know, really just a great guy. Right. 
uh, and I was knucklehead. So uh, I get him in ninth grade algebra and he starts telling me stories about my grandpa who passed away when I was young. And he, so he knew my family didn't even, I didn't even know he knew me. Wow. He had, he had me like he right then and there. I, I learned that if you want if you want to get a team and you want to uh, capture a team, know something about them that they don't realize, you know, you know, and uh, we use the adage, right? Teaching is they don't care what you know until they know how much you care. But he started it on that on trajectory for me. And then I went to, I, I wasn't a recruited kid. I wasn't, I was a five, 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 40 guy for a skilled guy and a linebacker. And I was a five, 10, 175 pound senior. And, and uh, I went to, I chose a place to go to. And I always tell that now, cause I've, I'm a former recruiting coordinator now in, in, in division two. And I always tell the kids, I go, don't get recruited. I said, find the right fit and recruit them. Hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's your future. It's not theirs. Um, and so when I went to college, I identified where I wanted to go because I, there was a really talented kid. It was a friend of mine. And I went to Central Michigan University and my head coach there, ironically, was the Mid-American Conference all-time leading uh, winningest coach when I when he left. Uh, and then before Frank Solich you know, took that honor just recently. And uh, he he ran. You talk about power, you know, and that guy ran some power. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we ran the ball downhill and he was a fundamentalist like no other. Uh, and then I got on this whole ball security journey, kind of starting with him and, and my previous, my high school guy who, you know, he never threw the ball. Uh, he always said, when he threw the ball, there was three things could happen and two of them were bad. <laughs> That's right. He didn't like those ads. Uh, but uh, Herb Dramedy was a guy that uh, in college that taught me that, you know, if you protect a football, you get a chance to win every single game you're in. Uh, and then uh, I went to college as a coach a couple of years, about a decade later, because I went to the Marine Corps and, and served my country during Desert Storm. And and then I come back out and I was teaching and coaching and went to college because I love the passion. And and uh, that head coach was he was the all, he was the winningest coach at the university before he passed away and another great human being. So I, I, I talk about being blessed with great men to be around, you know, uh, and that's been the most, most defining part of my life as a human being. And it led me to high and tight because I, when, I, when I left high school, I mean, left college to go to high school. I took over a program that won three games in a couple of years and they were in a real tough league. And, and we went five and four, five and four in the third year. We had all the plans, you know, now we weren't running power. We were running options. So we were running, you know, some, some veer, some inside and outside veer and, and uh, chucking it on play action, having a great time. Uh, but we ended up losing eight games that third year that we should have, we were ahead of in, in, all, in seven of them. And we fumbled in the fourth quarter in every one of them. Uh, only fumbled like nine times on the year. When I see, you know, and now what do you guys, when you guys, you guys follow stats, like how much, how many fumbles do you guys have in a season? That's a really good question. Um, as the offensive line guy, I should probably have a, a, a better overview of it, but I, I couldn't tell you. I know that I still remember the two worst fumbles that we had. Uh, we were playing against our rival, Jinx, that we hadn't beaten in a long time. Uh, we fumbled one uh, in on the three going in, fumbled it to him, gave it back. We fumbled one inside the 20 on the next uh, on two drives later. Uh, we also had a uh, illegal procedure that took back another one of our touchdowns. So um, I remember the two worst fumbles, uh, but, but I'm not sure how many we, we necessarily average on a year. Walls, what, what do you got? Dude, I think this year, I know the, the first play of the season, we had a fumble. <laughs> and they, and they, actually, they actually took it the other way and scored. So I know, and that was on an exchange or whatever, so it wasn't a strip. But I, I want to say, Coach, to my knowledge, I, I, I cannot remember – a single fumble that we lost. I'm sure we had one, but I, I literally can't remember like a big one this year. So you, you talk about the importance of ball security. Like we threw a few picks, but as far as fumbles go, I mean, I think it might've been one or two on exchanges and there might've been, you know, maybe like a punt or something like that. But as far as ball security with our guys, dude, it was knock on wood. It was, it was pretty lights out. There was maybe one or two in there. And you guys won state for the first time and in, in forever. Yeah. And like, like you said, I mean, it, I, I love the topic of, of ball security. Cause again, I, and again, you know, we just had another guy on and you, you know, Harper's talking about the simplicity of football. I mean, there's nothing more simple than, you know, to me, you know, two things, quarterback and center exchange, right. And then ball security. When you have the football, if you're poor at those two things, you literally can't win football games ever. <laughs> yeah. We, we talk about, do you know, uh, Tony DeMeo? Yes, sir. 
Yeah. So Tony, you know, Tony D that, that guy, he always talks about the three most meaningful stats. And, and one of them has to do with the, if you win the ball, if you win the turnover margin, you know, you've got 85% chance of being victorious, you know, and that's a pretty powerful statement come from a guy who's been coach of the year in four different decades. You know, think about that one for a moment. Right. And not too many things change over 40 years. <laughs> right. You know, coach, we, we went up to, uh, we went down to rice. We watched them. Um, you know, again, it's not talking about, I guess, tailback necessarily, but the quarterback center exchange, they spent almost an entire day, you know, it was their goal line day. Um, but almost that entire practice, they had a quarterback with a center and they were working, snapping the ball for, you know, short yardage goal line stuff, under center stuff. I mean, that was how important it was to them. And it was such a huge situation for them to win and, and that, you know, I don't, I don't see many, I know not many people snap it under center anymore. But even yeah. the teams that do, I don't see that very often where they're spending a lot of time making sure that that is, is something that doesn't get dropped. I got another fumble story for you, Coach, now that we're getting into it. One that worked well for us when me and Walls were working together. Um, semifinals at Broken Arrow, uh, the other team jumps out to, I think, a two-touchdown lead on us uh, within like the first or second quarter. They're driving. They're driving the whole way down the field. It's a gun team. Drive the whole way down the field, get to like the two-yard line. Well, they try to change it up. They've been in like a, uh, a pistol diamond formation and just been gashing us. So they get out there. They get in that pistol. Their quarterback sprints up to the line of scrimmage to do a quarterback sneak, really to put a dagger in us. I know it's only second quarter, but, you know, kill us up down 21, 21 yeah. nothing. And he fumbles the snap. Fumbles the snap. We get it back. We end up going and scoring. I don't know. They scored hardly one more time that, that game. And we end up, you know, kind of routing them, I think, towards the end of the game. But that was another huge fumble uh, or, or turnover that, that I'll never forget because it was, uh, you know, got us to our to, – we didn't win the state title, but got us there for only like the third time in school history. Awesome. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's funny you say it like that because that one, right? And he said pulling back to another one, another one, you know, and that's the part of what got me going with the whole high and tight was it's like all my social media handles are high and tight one because a couple of different angles, one, one fumbles too many, right? Because you remember the one that turned the tides you know, <laughs> and, and the other one is if you can eliminate one fumble that year, just by instituting something different and teaching something with a different emphasis, should you do it? You know, that's that part about incremental improvement. You know, if you can eliminate one fumble, that you wouldn't have by teaching something differently or had getting instantable feedback, you know, should you do it? And what's a, what's a value position worth? Um, you know, I, I think about your rice story. It's like, what happened to that coach or that, you know, that position coach to <laughs> right. get to that point, right? There, Cause that's change comes from mostly from pain. Right. So what, what happened that they all of a sudden were like, Hey, we need to spend a whole day on this. Uh, that's what I always get to is like, what, what do you have to go through first to actually say, you know what, I should probably, I should probably learn something new. You know, I should probably, you know, be a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset, that element of it all. So, yeah, I don't think, I mean, again, if you, if you ain't putting first things first, it's pretty hard to be good at, at anything else. You know, Hey, we want to get better at our play actions. Hey, we, we want to get better at our screens. Well, you know, coach, you, you guys went three and seven last year and you lost the turnover battle in seven of your games. You know, I don't, I don't think it's a screen problem or a play action pass problem. You know, it's, it's usually some sort of quick fix. And like you said, you know, what kind of price can you put on it? Again, I've, I've told the story many times too. I remember sitting in, in a clinic and listening to, to Bill Callahan, you know, he puts up one play. They're talking about a blast play, you know, and I'm like, well, okay, well, this is going to be fun. You know, I'm going to watch blast. But the way that he presented it was like, Hey man, I was an NFL coach and, and we figured out, you know, if we couldn't get a fourth and one or a third and one, during the course of a season in the NFL, that was going to cost us three games. And he's like three games in the NFL one, that's a lot of money for, for players for coaches. And then you're going to get fired. So again, just like you're saying, man, one fumbles too much. If it's going to cost me one game uh, and I'm in a, in a pressure pack place where I have to win, uh, or maybe it's the best, you know, it's, it's the best group of athletes I've ever had come through a place. You know, Ankeny, we, we were blessed with, with tremendous athletes this year, but all of that stuff could have got derailed with one stupid turnover or one, you know, lack of focus 
where a, a guy doesn't do what he's supposed to do. And all of a sudden now that turns the whole momentum of a game. So, you know, people can say it's one small thing, dude, it, it can change lives. Honestly, I think. Yeah. I, I am a hundred percent on board with you. That's uh, I'll give you a, an instance where I brought, I was brought in by an NFL team to work with the, with a guy who, you know, he was an elite talent. Like you guys are talking about, he was a power five back. He was a second round pick. He was an Adonis physically, you know, and I met the guy, I was like looking up at him going, holy cow, I wouldn't tackle you either. I'd go right for the ball every time, you know, but, but what he found out was he had habits. Repetition became habit, habit became character. And then his character got exposed when the margin for error was so small uh, because he was so much superior than everybody else in high school. You know, even though he was in a, a great place in Florida, um, in a great high school, great competition level, he still was better than everybody else. Went to went to a power five, was still better than everybody else in the SEC. Uh, and then in the NFL, it was just all of a sudden that margin got smaller. Uh, mm-hmm. And what we established was he he had a habit of every time he would go to first down or a touchdown, he was spinning and reaching, always fighting for more yards. And he had that that muscle memory of always doing this. Well, as soon as you're doing that in the NFL, boom, the ball's gone. You know, and so he literally lost five fumbles um, in the, in a second year. And then they they brought me in for his contract year. And as we worked together, he, you know, he questioned me. It was like, how often do I have to use it? I'm like. Well, how long you been doing it the way you're doing it now? You know, you're you're 20 some years old. You've been playing ball for 15 years. You've been creating a habit. I said, you know, they talk about habits being created in 28 days, you know, and that that essence of it all. I go, you've got 15 years of conditioning to to overcome. Uh, and you know, and it always doesn't come down to one thing. But in the NFL, if you're a running back and you put the ball on the ground, you're done. You know, and and he ended right. up. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, right? He did not make it to his second contract because he put three balls on the ground. I got charged. I said, should say, because the NFL and, and, and we do a terrible job of identifying what what ball security and what fumbles really are, right? Like you mentioned that you had a fumble on punt. Well, heck, if you're blocking on punt and the ball hits you in the leg, that's a fumble charge to you. So it's not really the same thing as ball security, right? Uh, but he got charged for three fumbles in his last NFL game that he started uh, and never saw the field for that, that team again. And he figure if he if he gets that contract that next year, I mean, what's he making? You know, three, four million dollars a year for three years, four years. So he literally, you know, cost himself tens of millions of dollars, all because of habits that were created as a child, because no one ever taught him how to carry the football properly. They always just let him do what he does, you know. So I'll pose this one. What do you guys teach for for technique? What's your guys at your place to teach? Well, I don't. I couldn't tell you, Coach, what our tailbacks coach, uh, what they teach. What I've always heard is, um, I want to say it's like an eagle claw. So you got your your pointer finger, your middle finger. It goes uh, in between the point. Uh, you hold the the point up, and you hold it into into your body. Um, and obviously, me as an offensive lineman, I've only ran the ball one time. It's because I caught a deflected pass, and it went for I think negative two yards. But I'm going to go ahead and hold that. The guy I always watched was Mike Allstott, and a lot of times he was going two hands around the ball uh, through the line of scrimmage. So I'm probably not the best one to ask, but just as a – if a lineman said, hey, if I pick up a fumble, um, you know, how do I hold it? That's what would be my my day one thought. Uh, I would probably, though – I'm about to go in and be a a tight ends coach now. Probably be something I planned on talking to the coordinator. Hey, what are we talking about ball security? What's your – you know, what is your thoughts? What is your direction for ball security? That's how you go. How about you, Walsh? I've always taught the uh, four points of pressure, uh, you know, obviously the point up. And again, you know, you've always used the high and tight. And again, I think, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, hey, high and tight. But again, for me, it's always been, you know, the four points of pressure. Again, eagle claw the point, index finger, making sure the back point is also covered. I think a lot of people forget about that, but making sure that back point is covered because you'll see a lot of dudes still, you know, have the thing high and tight, but now that elbow starts kind of wagging out there as well. And then making sure, obviously, then my, my breastplate. So be like, if I'm holding my right hand, be my right breastplate of the shoulder pad, and then it's going to be my forearm. So those are the, the four points of pressure I've always tried to, to you know, emphasize with, with our guys. Anytime I can see air in there, I'm coming unglued because, dude, that's ball security's job security, man. We got to have it. Uh, you you hit on some great points. Now, when you mentioned index finger, did you did you say index finger on the tip or index finger 
I say I, I put I put the point in between my index finger and my my middle finger. So the point would be in between those two. Yes, I don't put the the finger over the point. Absolutely not. Yeah, the, the point would be in between those two fingers. Awesome. Yeah, we call I call it split finger split finger grip. So that way there we go. That see already that's a great coaching point. I I like that way better already. <laughs> there, it's good. <laughs> we're, we're, we did it. We made some value tonight. <laughs> I always try to. Hey, I'm all about it, dude. Seriously. Yeah. I love yeah. it. So, and then the other part you talked about that, and this was, you hit it dead on the head because, so I went through this all when I had that season, I was kept telling these kids, I'm like, we're watching film. And I, you know, I was a pretty, I'm a pretty fundamentalist kind of guy, you know, being a, being a Marine and a former DFO. And we won a couple championships in college and went eight, you know, one of the top eight in the nation. And, you know, we did it by just being fundamentally sound and having really great human beings. Um, and so when I'm watching the film and I'm breaking it down, I'm like, it looks high and tight. I mean, it, our kids were rubbing the chest there. They're up in there, and I'm like, and all of a sudden, boom, the ball's getting punched. And I'm like, so what's a fumble? They're like, how does a fumble happen? I started asking these questions, and I started asking people a lot smarter than us, right? You know, like engineers and physics guys. And they're like, well, just break it down. It's like, you're placing pressure on the ch- on the ball that's that's less than the pressure being placed on the other guy. And I'm like, these are simple physics. He goes, you have more, they have more pressure on the ball when they're punching it than you do when you're carrying it. And I was like, well, how do I know how much pressure a person uses when they're carrying the football? You know, because we never find out until it's too late, right? <laughs> That's the bad yeah. part. Uh, and so that got me down that whole idea of like, okay, what is pressure? How do you measure that? Is there a perfect way? So I was, I went with this leather guy and I was making a, I was making a um, prototype with pressure sensors inside. And we were registering how much pressure was in the place in the bladder and like that. And I, this old leather guy says to me, uh, he's like, uh, you're carrying it wrong. And I go, what do you mean I'm carrying it wrong? I'm, I'm splitting the finger and I'm closing the, I'm closing the gap between the wrist and the elbow and the elbow and the body, you know, cause that's, I was working, you guys know Rod Woodson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rod Woodson and I were at a camp working together and he was sort of talking about how, you know, those points of pressure we all talk about. He's like, I love when people talk about points of pressure because points denote space, which are gaps, which are weakness. Mm-hmm. He goes, when I see their points, you know, cause that you claw and you'll make a, you'll make a gap in your wrist, you know, and then on, you make a gap in your wrist and that that's a, that's a weakness spot there, you know? And then he said, you know, points in that elbow that you said, there'd be air in every gap. He said, so I start, he goes, I attack gaps. So your points of pressure, I just look for your points because in between your points is air. And he goes, that's where I attack. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty darn good. You know? And he knows a few things about force and fumbles. Um, and so, so as I listened to that, I, I was with this old guy and I, I was telling about the split finger and flatten the wrist and, getting the elbow tight to close it up. And he looked at me, he goes, you're carrying it wrong. I said, what do you mean I'm carrying it wrong? He goes, it's a leathersmith. He goes, all right, so when you got that split finger, he said, here's the thing. If you just put it right here and you have a, you have a cross between your fingers, if you guys can see that, cross between yeah. the fingers. He said, if you're on a regular football, he says, that's double stitch cowhide. He goes, that's the spine of a football. If you clamp down and, and squeeze that, he goes, the ball's going to pivot and rotate because it's not giving. Balls don't collapse because that's the that's the the spine. He goes, he goes. If you want to have a ball, you're actually going to close on it and can condense it, squeeze it in. He goes, you got to have an X between your fingers. He goes, now you're a panel to forearm, panel to chest, and now you can hmm. actually squeeze the ball in. And I looked at him and I'm like, I'm 42 years old when I hear this. I'm like, no one's ever taught me that. And this guy never coached a day of football in his life. And he taught me how to carry the ball perfectly. And so I was like, so I'm going back. I'm at college at the time. I go, I go back to the guys and I'm like, hey, X marks. I go, I go, cross is the key to life because of Jesus. But in football, X marks a spot. I want you to start putting that in or setting the ball properly and working on your finish technique, you know, off arm on the wrist and flatten it. I go, I want you to try to start, start and stop all of our drills like that so you can create that muscle memory. And then we're doing it through camp. And then we get, we get last week camp and we're at this uh, inside session and, and my kid brushed through and he just comes up and he he's finishing out in the middle of nowhere. Everybody's everybody's around. I go, why'd you finish like that? And he goes, I didn't have the ball set right, coach. I go, what do you mean you didn't have a set right? He goes, I had a cross. I didn't have a T. I, I goes, I had a cross. I didn't have an X. I'm like, you could feel that? He goes, I can feel that, coach. I'm like, you're kidding me, David. He goes, no, I can feel it. He goes, think about it, coach. Quarterbacks don't look for the laces. They feel the laces. I'm like, no, don't be starting this now. He, now he's one of those smart guys. Like, you tell him to do it. <laughs> right. A, B, and C. He's going to do it A, B, and C, and D, E, F. You know, he's going to go beyond. 
because he understands the margin for error because he's not that talented. So, so what I took it from the standpoint, I actually worked with some NFL guys about this. I worked with about 20 guys in the back end and, and teaching them that part of split finger, X, flatten the wrist, flatten the elbow, and then, you know, training with the ball to create that habit of, of doing that with pro- proper pressure so that way you can still do your thing and have your ability to run but then get the instant audible feedback that you're doing it correctly and the ball's tight to your body. Because as I was watching film and I, I worked with this guy, Ali Wilson with the Chargers, he'd been 20 some years as a running back coach. He watched every single clip he's ever coached. And he said, it came down to three things. Guys had three different guys had three different holds. It was split finger, index finger, you know, on, on, on the tip and then cupping the ball where the tip would be between the thumb and the index finger. He goes, they had three different holds. And he said, and there was three different times that they were most likely to lose the ball. He said, going to the ground, making a move with your hand, your, your focus is someplace else. And then from behind, he goes, that's the three most common areas. And he goes, and that comes down to just, are you drilling and creating a habit in practice that will carry over into those situations? And I was like, hmm. So now I have the, the, the seven uh, best ball security drills that require no no ability exertion, just total muscle memory in terms of creating good habits. And our goal during practice is to have the ball beeping the whole entire time because we all talk about the fundamentals, right? The simplicity of it all, blocking, tackling, ball security wins games, right? Uh, but everybody does only, you know, buzz ball security for like five minutes or six minutes of practice. And right. I, I couldn't do that anymore. I mean, you come to our practice and you hear our guys when they're walking to the water cooler, they got a ball in their hand beeping because now I know they're working on muscle memory. You know, we got a, we got a special teams period and, and two guys are in and two guys are on the sideline. They got ball in their hands, beep, switching hands, beep, find another guy, toss it to them, you know. And I'll, I'll say this, uh, Rowdy, you know, the, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a huge, I'm not, I'm not a row the boat fan, uh, <laughs> but, but if you ever watch P.J. Fleck, he teaches every single person in the, in, in the uh, in the in the program, how to carry the football, and he now he calls it um, chin the ball. He's a chin the ball guy. Um, but it's split finger, it's flattening, it's up and high, tip up. And they were on that when he was at Western. They were on national TV against Michigan State, and the ball was the ball was on the ground, incomplete pass or something. Old line got deflected. It was at the old lineman's foot. He picks it up and he picks it and he pins it up to his chest. And he walks it over to the official on national television and hands it to the official on TV. <laughs> and it was like, I, my phone blew up. They're like, Hey, do you have Western? Is that, is that your guy? You know? And I'm like, I go, that's, that's fundamentals. Right. And that's how important, you know, you said ball security is job security walls. And, and he teaches every single person in the program, how to carry the football. Because there's that one time when that ball gets, you know, ends up in his hands and instead of having, you know, negative two yards and the ball back, the ball gets punched out and then you're going the other way. That's exactly right. Coach, I still think I should have housed it. I think I'd jump over a couple Vanderbilt defenders and, and, and I'd have taken it. I got tripped up. They, they shouldn't be allowed to go for your legs. They should have to go, you know, straight up. But uh, then I might, I might have fumbled it because I don't know that I knew all that. I just knew what it looked like when the NFL guys ran it. And so that's what I had pretended to do. Um, so so I, I think that. One thing that obviously a lot of coaches don't do is there's a lot, at least in high school I've been around, they would like to say, you know, uh, don't lose turnover margin, but they're not talking about, about ball security. You know, it's not a big deal. They don't talk about it in meetings. Uh, but my question is, so even if a team does do that well, you got a coach that, that somebody talks about, hey, on offense, we believe in ball security. We're not going to give up any fumbles. I'm sure that, that there's a, higher percentage that that team is not going to lose the football, but how much higher if that's all they do? If a coach all he does is, is harps on it and talks about keep the point up and, and doesn't actually do any, like you said, maybe one minute of here, hold it in your hand and everyone's going to try to knock it out as you run through. What is the, you know, what is the return of someone that just talks about it, which is important and, and actually repping it and, working it all the time well i'll, I'll tell you just from our personal experience and, and my and we're at 
we have, since we've implemented it in our program at, at, at Northwood, we've never had more than three balls in the ground in a season. And ironically, uh, last we're at 506 carries by our running backs. Now our wide receivers are our biggest culprits because they're, they, you know, they want to make plays. They want to do this, but they don't spend the time that we do because, um, you know, there's so much about releases. There's so much about coverage. There's so much about stock blocking, all these different things. They don't place an emphasis on it as much as we do uh, because we know we're carrying the team. You know, we use an acronym there too for, you know, not just talking about it, but also grading it. Uh, we use team, which is technique, exposure, and awareness of movement. And we just do a point system on every everything. What would you grade out for? So you can actually have a ball security grade, which I think that's an easy implementation. Um, and so when you see these teams that I, I've seen them where they're like, the first thing you ask him is how many fumbles you have this year. And the guy looks and he goes, you know, he can't call. He can't recall it unless it was a painful one. And then the next guy is, they don't, we don't even know as an industry what the average is, right? Uh, the NFL average and college agile average for fumbles is about 2%. Uh, so you figure on a, you know, if you carry the ball 200 times in a year, you're going to have four fumbles. You know, how many, how many games is that going to be? You know, if you have four fumbles, chances are one of those at four are going to, impact the game right right yeah and then if you look in the, in the collegiate element i mean the average fumbles are, are actually almost one a game uh and then turnovers is over one a game um there's a stat out there that if you win if you have less than one turnover a game you're at like 88 percent chance of making the, the college football playoff or the the bowl playoffs which you know the the purse for the bowl games was 247 million two years ago so that's a, that's a pretty impactful study. Um, high school, I don't think we even we don't even talk about it, do we? Not not that I'm aware of. No. You know. So then it gets back to that. You can you can tell the guys, and you know, Wallace was kidding me. You know, talking about you know only one ball on the ground, or you know, you're pretty darn good coach that year, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I tell them, I always say to guys like that, it's like, and I was in the same situation. It's like I was getting into the best kids I ever had in the first three years. So I thought I was going to have that competitive advantage. You know, the reality lies is all of us are rotating those kids over, you know, every two years at, at worst. Right. Um, and, and maybe you get a kid three years at best. Um, but so it's like now it starts, you start seeing that if you don't have the higher caliber of kid or the higher caliber of athlete that's that can get away with it, then, OK, what you're relying on is your your habits as a coach. And what are you doing to establish within the program? Like, here's our standards. Now, here's how we measure our standards. Right. Uh, we talk about an education that we've got, you know, formative assessments, you know, and then summative assessments. Well, our summative assessment is, is a Friday night. Well, what's our formative assessment in practice? You know, how are we measuring the fact that we're working on ball security or that we're improving in blocking or we're improving in tackling? You know, if we don't have those systems in place and we're just really just kind of, uh, you know, relying on the talent pool that year. And, and none of us are going to be the best talent pool every year unless you've That's got a, a feeder system. No, no, we don't. Uh, unless you're at, maybe at Alabama, coach. No, it, it wouldn't be every year, but they do a pretty good job. Um, so, so, coach, what is encompassing? What is high and tight? Obviously, you've talked about uh, you've got some drills, you've got some different things. You, you know, you got this football that that beeps. You've kind of talked about just very, very briefly. What is you know high and tight? Is it a whole? system is it just the ball is it you know what is all of it uh, kind of encompass yeah i tell you it's it's the it's the first instant audible feedback system that will teach you wh whether you're doing something well or you're doing something poorly it's the first coach that never goes out never stops you know he's on every every day every second uh and it's 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 really the Pavlov's element of, of positive reinforcement. So if you're doing it correctly there, you know, you get a beep. And so as a result, the kid knows, Hey, I got it. So he takes his awareness to the ball. Uh, and so all of us try to give instant feedback to our coaches and to our kids, all practice, all we do, right. You know, you're talking about your foots, your steps, your hand placement, all that, and you're doing it over and over and over. And then you do it in film, you know? And so you're, it's like, you're replicating yourself. It's the first like ball security coach of its, of his own kind where it teaches you that if you're using it, it beeps, tells you yes. And then if you're not doing it, it actually creates awareness like, okay, what's wrong with my hold? Because the ball will measure how you place pressure on it, not just whether or not you're squeezing it. Because remember, I taught you about the idea that if you go X between your fingers, and if you have a cross between your fingers, you're not going to get a foul, you're not going to get feedback. Hmm. Uh, 
And so that's been just as important with our guys as anything else, because if they're not getting feedback, they know they're doing something wrong because they have a condition now. So now we talk about creating the habit of finish where that's off arm, where you see Mike Allstott, uh, which is ironic. He's coaching down in Florida and, and him and I talk ball security every time we see each other at the convention, because he teaches his guys finish, finish, finish all the time. He doesn't even worry about the technique of a hand. He worries about how you're going to do it in contact because everybody's going to get hit. Right. Uh, and so he's pretty darn successful with teaching that. Yes. Uh, I'm jealous of you, coach. I hate to jump in on the middle. I'm jealous of you. That was my, that was my uh, childhood idol. Oh yeah. Your Purdue guy or just an all-stock guy? Just an all-stock guy. As a, as a big kid and, and everyone's got to pick the players that they get to be in the backyard or the front yard of football. Uh, I was always Mike Allstott. That's awesome. But you you didn't get to glorify. Where'd you go to college then? Uh, University of Houston. I was just an offensive lineman. Offensive lineman at University of Houston. But growing up, uh, you know, didn't know anything about anything. I just knew that they handed it to Mike Allstott for the Buccaneers, uh, and and he ran over people. So I loved it. Oh, are you not old enough to remember uh, Christian Okoye, too? Nope. No, oh. I've, I know, I know that I know some of the big powerful runners, but when I was, when I was a little kid, that's, that's yeah. who I was watching was all stuck. I had to be quick on the jump uh, when, when you're calling out who you are uh, in backyard football. I'm all stuck. Big fun. I'm uh, 40. Yeah. So uh, that, that was my guy. I'm jealous of you. Oh, no, no, no reason for that. I'll tell you, I'm jealous <laughs> of being a big guy playing at, playing at Houston. Did, were you guys the run and shoot then or what, what time frame were you in? We were air raid, so it was uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury was there my freshman year, and Sumlin, and then uh, Tony Levine came in. How about you, Walls? Uh, who's your big guy that you did in the backyard? Uh, I was never uh, all stud. I, I always wanted to be the <laughs> defensive guy, so I was always, I mean, like Ray Lewis, Ed Reed were my kind of guys, Sean Taylor. So those have been the ones, like the, the guys that were actually, you know, causing the fumbles. That's always kind of been, I don't know, I guess my mentality, you know, played a little bit of receiver and DB, but those were always the guys. And, and that's always where I've been, you know, most interested when I, when I look at these things, you know, from a defensive perspective, I've always liked kind of that mentality of, you know, they seem to analyze things maybe a little bit better than the offense, right? They, they find those, those simple, easy and effective ways to get the offense off the field. Um, and then I know that was one of the other things I was going to ask you too. I mean, it seems like a lot of times, you know, you, when you're telling the, the flex story, you know, I'm sitting there listening when he's like, well, you know, you, you're teaching it to the entire team. How many times have you seen, you know, where a defensive guy scoops up a fumble, right? A, a Harper picks off, you know, a, a tip pass, mm-hmm. you know, and that guy has no clue what he's doing with the ball. And then you teach, you know, the offensive guys, if you're a good coach, you teach the offensive guys, when the ball gets intercepted, you're chasing that dude from behind. Cause you know, it's going to be loose. I'm going to be able to punch it out. Or I'm going to be able to rip it out and I'm going to get the ball back. Like that's one of the first things I teach now on a turnover because those guys don't know how to handle the ball and they're going to be loose with it. They're going to be stupid with it. And they're going to go try to score. We could get the ball back immediately. Heck you saw Alabama do it in, in one of their big games. Yeah, the, the first guy that I ever saw do that was Leon Dillett, was the defense. It was in the Super Bowl with uh, yeah. Steve Tasker. You know, it got ran down, and that, that was infamous, you know. Uh, the one that, that stuck to me was um, the Bengals and the Steelers in the AFC Championship, where it was a big guy. Now, he got saved, though, because he got punched out, but then his his uh, his defender, his DB, fell on the ball, and they maintained possession. But, I mean, they were they were, like – milliseconds away from losing the game as a result uh, and then one of my first teams that we converted in terms of teaching and and was uh the ravens so all your guys ray lewis and all those guys like, like they actually their defense actually used the balls in practice to teach what it was so it wasn't just an offensive ball it was a defensive ball too because you now everybody you know and, and hardball is a one of those you know fundamentalists where everybody has to do it because uh, you know, he's been there. He's a long, he's one of the longest 10 years guys in the NFL now. And yeah. you don't, you don't get to stay there by being a guy that doesn't, doesn't take care of fundamentals. Well, that was when, when Harp and I went up there, you know, and, and, you know, of course, Jim <laughs> pumped it as, you know, the, the world's greatest football clinic or whatever the heck it was. We're like, well, Hey, if he's going to be the world's greatest football clinic, we're going, you know, I mean, 
we're there's there's not going to be anything we're not going to go see we're going to we're going to be the judge but of course you know his brother's there and he's got the whole raven staff so that that was honestly where i remember just sitting there and and watching i think it was dean pease and and he's just going through a list of you know the fundamental everyday drills that they're going to do and again it was just simple basic fixes you know like instead of doing the stupid tip drill you know, they're, they're like, we carry another football and we just throw it in the air because we don't have to worry about a bad tip. We're always going to get a good interception. We're always going to pick it off. And then, like you said, hey, you take it to the next level. We're going to know how to catch the ball. We're going to know how to tuck the ball. We're going to know how to go score with the ball. So it's like simple drills like that, that I'm just sitting there and I'm like, dude, all these things make sense. You know, when to use an arm over, when to rip and stay in your gap. It's like, that's where I love defensive guys because, again, and, and they're probably – in the NFL, they got all this extra time on their hands. You know, it's like, Hey, we can analyze these things. We can, we can, we can search for these things, but those are always the little nuggets to me that I think separate, you know, good from great. You know, everybody's got talent, everybody runs plays, but it's these little tiny quote mundane things that seem to separate the teams that really, really win every single year, because that's what guys like Harbaugh and them focus on. We're not going to give them the ball back. We're going to teach everybody how to handle the ball correctly. And we're going to get more turnovers than anybody else. And that's going to be our edge in a league that's supposedly supposed to be everybody eight and eight. Yeah, that's truth right there. So you're talking about, you were up at the at Chrysler arena for that, for that uh, coach's clinic. Yeah. I'll, I'll let Harper tell the story. I mean, it was an awesome time. We had an absolute blast. I was, I was just getting ready to leave BA and I'm like, hey, we got to at least go to this clinic. So Coach Alexander took us all up there, and, and we had an absolute blast. It was me, Harper, uh, Coach Annel, who's down at Grapevine now as the D coordinator, and then uh, Coach Alexander, who's the head coach at BA. It was awesome. I was I was there too. Uh, it was it was um, Thomas Hammock that was upstate on stage, the running back coach, talking yeah. about you guys need to go over and see high and tight, greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, geez, get that guy some get that guy some gear. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. Yeah, that's awesome. That well, coach, you, know you talk about the you talk about the X between the fingers. When yes, guys start that again, just an offensive lineman, so I don't know how a ball feels, you know, as opposed to a cross and an X. Is that something that they have to look at to see the X, or is that something immediately you can feel? Or like you said, I know you, you know I know you told me your guy could feel it eventually. Can you yep. feel that from day one, or is that something you've got to look at day one and, and start working into that feeling? Well, so here's the, here's the beauty of it all, because uh, I'm I'm a big time like when I talk about you know, like little fundal fundamentals, like I coach wide receivers because I was a defensive back in college, and so I coach wide receivers in our offense for that decade, and, and it was all from the standpoint of teaching what the defense hated, um, and then what I what I always did was I had our guys and we, we had, we, we led the nation in past defense and because we drilled that idea of the fundamentals, because there's such a gap, every, every wide receiver that catch on us, none of them ticked it, um, tucked it very fast. And so we would watch in film. We were like, Hey, we can get it on this guy and this guy. So we were punching balls out left and right. Uh, and so when I was a wide receiver coach, I was teaching uh, triangle tip, tuck touchdown. So, you know, the triangle, the tip in the triangle and then tucking it and then go to touchdown. Like we would emphasize that over and over. We drill that over and over. And so when I, and we had great success because I had, I had big wide receivers that were always, you know, I recruited guys that I, I'd ask them, you know, you want to catch eight balls or you want to catch two touchdowns, which one you want to do, you know? And so if a guy said, I'm going to catch two touchdowns, like you're my guy. Because <laughs> we were option offense. It's like, you're not going to catch eight balls, but they, they could catch three or four touchdowns on play action. Uh, but that, that whole carryover, that fundamental, the triangle tip, tuck, tuck jump, when I started teaching the idea of X and cross, it really drew my running backs to looking the ball in, you know, cause we did, we do, we do throw the ball quite a bit on check downs and stuff like that or get them out. And so every time we, I hated it because the guys that are really talented, they have, they have really, um, for lack of a better term, they have, they don't have as good a habits because they rely on their skills. And so they would always just, you know, triangle it in and then all of a sudden they're gone. And now I'm like, no, tell me what it is. So go to your tuck and then split it and see, what it was an X or was it a cross? And so now my guys, when we do our, our drill stuff, we'll, we'll pitch it to them or everything and it's look in. So it's overemphasizing. And then they said initially, uh, as they started doing that, they were like, oh, I can feel that coach. Like, so within the first day or two of drilling, you know, they were like, oh, it, it's different coach, you know, but if, if you'd have been doing that for weeks, they never even known it. 
right? Until you bring an awareness to that there's a perfect way or, hey, how does this feel to you? Can you feel it? You know, or what's the ball? What's it feel like to actually play, place pressure on it? Until you give them response, they have no clue what that feels like. And it's like, ah, and every one of them, their eyes are like, ah. I took it to, you know, I'll tell you, my, one of my favorite people that I was growing up uh, in the backyard was Mike Singletary. You know, I love those eyes. Sure, <laughs> sure. So he he brought me down to the to the AAF when he was with the Express in Memphis, and we taught every single person how to carry a football. And we did the whole thing. I drilled with everybody, and I was teaching the guys. You could just see those. There's some some talented guys there, right? You know, guys playing at Penn State and playing at Power Fives, and all of a sudden they're, you know, I show them what it looks like, what it feels like to flatten your wrist and close your elbow, and they're like, their eyes are just getting big. They're like, I never, I never thought, I never knew that. And I said, that's okay. I said, because it's, it's all the value position of a coach is if you, if there's nothing else to learn then then anybody can coach the game. Right. But there's always right. to, to teach or another way, a new way to teach it. You know, that, you know, innovation element of it all taking the fundamentals and, and, and appealing to your, your teammates a little better. Uh, and so the X and the X and the cross are built into the idea of looking the ball in completely and tucking it prior to making your movement. Um, I do some I do some consulting with some other power five teams and, you know, and I, I come in there and and they say, OK, here, coach, here's every single ball that was on the ground this season. Um, like, All right. So this team was in the top 10 when it finished the season a couple years ago. They had 25 balls on the ground. Now, that doesn't mean they, that doesn't mean they fumbled them. It could be running a stick route and doesn't tuck it away and a kid pops it out. Balls on the ground. Like he broke all of them down and we started breaking it down. And, and what we identified was every kid had a habit. Like they had a big, they had a big tight end. They would split out. This kid never looked the ball in ever. He always caught and was looking for the guy first. And he had like six drop ball, six breakups that season where a DB got into him and broke the ball up. He didn't clean it, you know, and catch cleanly, you know, that element of all. And so as we were analyzing, like, those that margin because he's like okay we only had we only had six fumbles on the year he said but we had 25 balls on the ground total that really as he started he goes we were in the top 10 if in order for us to get in the playoffs if we'd have taken away half of those who knows you know so he was always looking for more and that's the part i think that's that that differentiates you know guys from you know the good to great as you're talking about walls um, you know, do you guys, you guys a big Brian Kelly fan at all? Um, who's that? Oh, is he at Notre Dame? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know much about Brian Kelly. So he's a, he's a D2 guy. Um, he started in, in the D2 in our conference. And so my head coach, um, took a knee on him to put him at 0-4. Um, uh, and he went, Totally changed what he was doing, got back the fundamentals, sent his guys home. They didn't come back till Tuesday. Uh, the word on the street back then was if he would have lost one more game, he would have been fired. So he was huh. this close to being out of coaching or, you know, done with the head coach, his first coach, head coaching gig. They went on a 95 and five run after that. And that's when he, you know, went on, took the Central Michigan job and then went to Cincinnati and went to Notre Dame. And one of his fundamental stories he talked about is, in every practice, he would do pat and go with his with his quarterback and wide receivers. And I mean, like seriously, in in non-padded practice, he said 40, 30, 40 minutes, pat and go. And I'm like, coach, that's a lot of time. He goes, huh. he goes, every time that I throw a deep ball and it's not caught, that can determine the outcome of that game. And I'm looking, I'm going, there's something to it, you know. And he, he talked about like just getting that idea of teaching a person how to read pace and how to read um, the, the angles. He goes, I have to, I have to, I have to remove all the error in that. And I'm like, wow. And now they're, of course they're a high and tight user because that idea, if he can eliminate one fumble and from costing him a team or costing, you know, costing their a kid, a, a, a run or a, a touchdown, he goes, I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, and they, and they, they do everything. They do the catapults. They do everything. They manage, they manage everything they can because their, their margin for error is so small because, you know, they're quote unquote, mm. an academic institution trying to compete on the, on the major levels. So, but when he well, first told you, me, yeah, go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say, when he was told, first told me about that Pat and go stuff, I thought he was crazy. <laughs> I bet. Really 
you you've talked about you know there's certain certain players that that have their their certain bad habits the one thing that i've always noticed and and i don't even know that i can for sure tell you what it is but every time i see it on the football field i start getting really 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 antsy um and and i believe it's kind of the receiver catches the ball he's kind of out by himself uh other than one defender the one defender falls and so now the receiver's really slow and then the receiver, you know, it looks like he's taken off to the end zone. He's got nothing around him. He starts taking off, but because he has to start accelerating, there's other defenders that are already behind him accelerating through. He gets about three steps in. Boom, here comes the big fumble off of what should be a really, really big play for us. Um, is, and I don't, again, I don't know that I'm describing it perfectly, but I know when I see it, I start getting that, that antsy feel. Is that something in in certain situations that that you work high and tight hey there's different situations for different players or different you know uh positions that are uh, you know red areas like this is the time that that this normally happens so we've got to over rep these situations well i think i think we all do a great job of, of tailoring situations right like what's your goal line what's your short yardage element right for for team elements and what you right. said is dead on, Harper, the idea that, okay, when a kid has an elite skill set, every kid has an elite skill set. Otherwise, he wouldn't be playing in high school. He wouldn't be playing in college. You know, it's just some some elite skill sets are easier to see. He might be a tall guy. He might be a fast guy. He might be a bruiser. But everybody, as you go up, has, a, has an elite skill set that separates themselves. And then I don't like to say bad habits. I just say habits, right? Because he also has good habits, mm -hmm. and we want to focus on that element. But And so when we talk about that guy – First of all, like I said, wide receivers are the worst. Um, you know, I love wide receivers because I, I love those guys. They're they're selfless. They they have to block. They have to catch. They do all this for us to be successful. But at the same time, they they do have those habits because whatever it's seven on seven or whatever it is, it causes it. Um, we were actually the recipients of what we call an opportunity. So we teach tip tone tuck. So get to the tip, get to the tone, and tuck it. So that way, boom, you create that habit, tip, don't tuck, tip, don't tuck. And then when we're on the defense, we talk about that opportunity window that you're talking about when you're trailing. And we actually, in our in one of our gauntlet stations for our defense, we have that where they scoop it and the other guy comes up and punches it. And we have, in my last five years, we've had two games that we literally won because of that situation where we ran the kid down and punched it out. And the one... They were going out, kind of like you were talking about earlier with that 21 nothing element, that point swing. We They were going in to score. They're up 10. They were going to score. And this kid, Greg, um, grabs a dig across the middle, and he hits it full stride, and he is gone. He the, the post cleared the safety, and this kid's going. And so our, our best human being in the secondary runs like he has no other opportunity in life and literally in the five-yard line lays out and throws a punch through it. And that kid, that that, quarter, that wide receiver is like, I got this. And he's got his arms going because he's a track guy. You know, he's got his elbows going. And he punches out of the back of the end zone. And so, you know, no touchdown. Ball comes out to the 20. The next play, no, two plays later, we go we go touchdown. Go, we go deep, get a touchdown. So now we're down by three. We kick off. They fumble the, they fumble the kickoff. Hmm. We go up and score. And within literally like 35, 40 seconds, we are ahead and they never, ever recovered. Um, and then a different team, the same same kid punches another kid out. And this kid is a physical specimen that he punches out and we recover it and beat them. And then let the next year, they have the same situation for us. We break it. The guy gets run down because he's slow and they come up and they just he he rares back and gets his CPR going, right? His club punch rip, he gets his punch going. And all of a sudden, our guy's habits, boom. It doesn't phase him. He gets tackled. We maintain possession. Two plays later, we score. We win the game. And I'm like, there's your opportunity, right? Your opportunity window was right there. And you had a habit that allowed you to be successful. And they've had habits that allowed us to be successful. So that's probably been my biggest struggle as a, as a marketing coach is that coaches love the football and they don't tell their buddies about it because they got a competitive advantage. <laughs> That's exactly right. You start telling too many guys about it, then everyone else knows it. Um, so, so if a school wants this, right, I'm thinking high school, uh, cause that's what me and walls are in right now. School wants this. Uh, I've, you know, I've, we've looked at the website before we started talking. 
um, you know, for the past few months. Uh, they can go on there. I know there's all different sizes of football, I think from NFL all the way down to, uh, you know, peewee ball or, or, or whatever youth. you call that, youth, youth. youth football. Um, you know, how does that coach, he goes in there, how many, obviously you want him to buy, I'm sure 100, but how many does, how many does, does, does each team, how many do you need per so many kids? Uh, is it a thing? I know you talked about it beeping, so I'm assuming it has kind of a, a battery or it has a charge in it. How does, how does all that work if, if a coach, you know, is listening to this, decides, hey, you know what, this is going to take us to the next level. Um, I've looked at it. It doesn't look like uh, it's it maybe cheaper. I, I don't know, but it doesn't look like it's a whole lot more than a regular football as much as those costs anymore. Uh, what would that impl implementation look like and, and how does that work, uh, you know, for a coach that decides, hey, this is what we want to do? Well, first and foremost, I, I, you know, being, being a coach and doing things for coaches, you know, I think there are a lot of programs that struggle with finances. So if you got, if you got guys out there that struggle with finances and they, but they do, they do believe in fundamentals. They do want to be successful. Just have them reach out to me and, and communicate with me. I can, I can make that a reality. I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn the person away because of finance. I'm going to figure something out. You know, it's, you know, it's a problem state solver, not a problem stater. Uh, but uh, I always tell about the guys that, that understand it. They, they look and go, okay, I need one for each of my guys, you know? And so we start talking about bulk and I can take care of that element of getting the price down. We start talking about bulk. Uh, because ultimately what you're trying to say is, you know, because I had guys that during the pandemic, uh, literally Stanford football, I finally converted coach, coach out there around and, and he, they, they ordered them and sent them right to the guys in their dorms. Mm -hmm. And so that along with the manual of the seven, you know, the, the seven best uh, ball security trips, he's like, Hey, I gave him a workout, gave him a manual, boom, they're doing it. And it was all about creating those habits and nobody had to be around. So he put one at each of them. Uh, and then for high schools, most high schools get, you usually get four and then they work up, they'll do four one year and then they'll buy another four the next year. And then by that time, by the end of a year or two or two years, they've got enough for all their skill, all their skill kids to, mm. to share, you know, because that's where you start, you know, over time of getting that. Uh, but the reality is, is like, you know, worst case scenario, just get one, use, use RTP and your promo code. When you go to order, RTP will get you guys 10% off. And then, um, you know, as a thank you to listen to this podcast um, and then and then just have a conversation with me. You get my phone number in there and and I'll take care of you because ultimately, you know, I just want to see I want to see coaches not experience what I experienced in high school. You know, <laughs> I don't mind getting beat. I just hate losing games. And to me, losing is when you when you when there's something you can control and you didn't control it. That's losing, you know, whether it's effort, whether it's commitment, whether it's attention to detail, you that's a, that's a loss. Right. Giving up. You can control that part, you know. I've been beat like a drum, but I can get back up and, and enjoy it because I need my all. So, but they can go on high and tight, you know, all spelled out like like it is up here, highandtight.com. And then uh, any social, um, like we connected on Twitter, which was high and tight one, because that's that, that value position of, okay, one fumble is too many. Um, and uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there was only one team last year that was fumble free in America. Uh, it was a team out in uh, in Massachusetts in, in college, and, huh. and pros. Yep, uh, Maritime, great coach. He he goes, Tom. He goes that that he goes that wasn't uh, very accurate. I go, what do you mean it wasn't very accurate? He goes, the ball wasn't the ground. He goes, we just didn't lose any. He goes, but the ball. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, I went, yeah. I went yeah. back and looked at our stats, coach. As you had me peak, right? Uh, 2018, we had five fumbles. Um, 2019, we also had five last year. We did have two. So I was right. We had two, uh, receiver had one, just like you said, he was running, uh, down the sideline and he's not carrying it. Like you say, he's not carrying it high and tight. He actually hit it out with his own knee. Oh yeah. So like, you know, he's like, you said, he got the arms moving and he gets tackled. So again, you know, your body position changes, knee actually hit it out. And then we did have a running back also fumble. Those are the only two fumbles we lost all year. What do you know? Hey, we, we reduced three of them, win a state title. There you go. There's a lot of truth there. I, you know, North Central College in, in uh, Division III, uh, they lost in the, in the semis the year before, and then they started using high and tight, and they had this running back as a freshman that led him in rushing with 700 yards, but they, they did a committee because he was a freshman and, you know, he wasn't really carrying the ball well. He put him on high and tight. The kid had one fumble all year, and he, he led the nation in rushing at 22, like 21-83, I think was his total rushing, and they won the national championship, uh, and he's a sophomore. 
So I can't imagine what he's going to look like next junior and senior year. And But it came down <laughs> to he didn't realize he carried the ball. He didn't understand why he wasn't the guy as a freshman because he was good enough. He just he didn't realize that he had a habit that the ball was kind of loose all the time. Uh, and the coaches didn't like it. And they're like, hey, you got you to gotta, you gotta fix that. You got to you know carry that better. And they're like, how do I do that, coach? Well, instant novel feedback. Like, it's not a coach saying to you, hey, you need to carry it tight. You need to carry it tight. It's like, oh, that's what tight is, coach. Yeah. You know, and it's like just carrying over, you know. So 2021, you're going to have zero and win it back to back. Fingers across, man. <laughs> well, let's, let's do cross, our part. You mean, then. you mean, you mean right. cross, you mean uh, X. Fingers, yeah. fingers, X, right? fingers are on the X, not the cross. Dang. <laughs> there you go. Not the cross walls. Well, coach, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for spending an hour. Uh, we'll put, you know, so everyone listening to this, you'll, we'll put the uh, website up. And like you said, the RTP code uh, at the beginning of the podcast, so you guys can all have it uh, and it'll be in the text as well. So uh, coach, we appreciate it. Thanks for spending an hour with us. And it's been, uh, like Wall said, extremely beneficial for us. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. I love what you do. And I love what you do for coaches. And uh, anytime I can help you in any way, you don't hesitate to ask. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.